0: Welcome to The Travelling Senorita, episode number 34. I am back at home. Uh, We're all at home at the moment. The whole entire planet is roaming at home, literally in their houses, which has given us a good opportunity to create and reinvent ourselves through the COVID-19 scenario. So we're in ISO. There's all these little acronyms going out there at the moment, which is good because I'm talking to someone in tourism today and tourism is all about Academs. Uh, I have uh, general manager from Tropical Fruit World. Also, previously on a board for destination marketing management in the area. Um, Amon Gale, general manager. Hello, Amon. Good
1: morning, Kylie. How are
0: you? Good, buddy. We're on. We're in. We're in ISO. I usually do this face to face, but we can't do that. Although I can see you, which is nice. And uh, you're up at Tropical Fruit World, are you?
1: I am. I'm, I'm sitting in my car in our <laughs> car park number one looking at the view. Can I
0: just say, mate, I'm so happy because I, I think it's been, I don't know, let's say 25 years that I haven't been to Blues Fest. So today there's a whole yep. lot of us that go and we usually do some, like, friends of mine do all the stages, the um, – backstage dressing up styling and stuff and yeah. so we always have this blast of a day on a fr- on good friday so i've yeah. woken up this morning and it's raining and i have to do this it's like rain on a wedding it's like rain on a wedding day because a lot was playing today so i yeah. just i'm about to um message my mates who are all we're all Basically crying last night and saying, "No, see, we weren't meant to go to be shit house down there today."
1: Gumboots again.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, we haven't had rain like literally down there for a while, but this would. Uh, we're not meant to be there today. We're meant to be doing this right here, right now. So, Amon, tell me a little bit about you. Where did you grow up, my friend?
1: Um, I, I grew up uh, down towards Kaiapoi, which is southwest of the Tweed, yep. and um, in a country area. My parents had a farm and um, a few few cattle and some citrus and different orchards. So it was a great place to grow up, and a lot of outdoors.
0: And so a of, fa- farming uh, boy, farmer boy almost?
1: Yeah, yeah, three wandering around in a weekend. It was really good.
0: Yeah, so isn't that interesting, because my husband grew up in Casino, but I met him in Sydney, and this week I've done a couple of interviews with people that are from that area. Is it like super, is it just only cool people that grow up there?
1: Yeah, it's pretty much, I, I would have to say, it's the center of the universe. Charlie, <laughs> as, as <in> <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it's a good. It's, it was it was a great place to grow and I still have uh, plenty of friends from there I catch up with. Yeah, I'm sure you do.
0: Yeah, and so how did you end up at? Um, well, firstly, what is Tropical Fruit World and how how did you end up there?
1: Yeah, so uh, Tropical Fruit World is a tropical fruit farm in durramba so just outside Kingscliff, and. Uh, it's 165 acres, we grow 500 varieties of fruit and we have about 75,000 tourists visiting us on um, a usual year. Wow. So, And where do, where do they
0: come from, just to stop you there, where would they usually come from, the tourists?
1: Uh, so we have a, uh, all around the world, we have, we have a split of about 55% domestic tourism and 45% international tourism. Mm-hmm. and. Um, A lot of Northern Asian markets, so Korea, China, Japan. They um, love the tropical fruits.
0: Love the tropical fruits, don't they? Asia really love their fruits.
1: Absolutely, yeah. 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 And just just coming to an outdoors attraction that's... um, genuinely a farm you know they, a lot of these people come from huge cities and so even the agriculture we have in the tweed should be sugarcane or, or avocados or whatever it is I think they, they're all very interested just to see the countryside and even how we live.
0: How many acres did you say you have up there?
1: 165.
0: Right and so tell me a little bit about the history of because you've been there for how long over 20 years?
1: I have yes. Du- uh, so... Double decade buddy. <laughs> Sorry?
0: A double decade.
1: Yeah, I know. Uh, so Tropical Fruit World started as Avocado Land in 1983, and he- uh, that's heads, actually heads. what I remember seeing the sign down on the road. It, you know, yeah. funny story, but I used to drive
0: past thinking, "Who would go there?" <laughs> but um, is that the um? That's um. I'm exactly the same when I, I lived in yeah. um in Victoria. But when we go on a road trip, because there was a big, it's a big avocado, isn't it, on the side of the yeah, road? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. So, so that was what is the Tweed Valley Way now? Is of course Pacific Highway then. And so. Um, you know, highway high sign get people up here, and I, I actually started working here as a casual tour guide while I was um, studying at Kingscliff, and it was it was this sort of place that I came came to, and um, I'd never really experienced too much international tourism, and I just I couldn't believe what this business was sitting out here on the ridge in Duramban, Yeah. and the amount of people that came through and the activities that, that were undertaken. So it was. It's, um, it's been a really interesting place to work and um, little culture, a little bit of horticulture, um, a little bit of farming, a bit of nursery, a bit of retail, a bit of Fantastic. manufacturing and then big, big tourism. So, so where
0: did you start? What was your first role at Tropical Fruit World as a, as a young student?
1: I was driving a 50-seater boat around the canal.
0: Oh, how fun uh, is that?
1: <laughs> yeah, unreal. Dream job, Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: Yeah, it's very good.
0: So actually, all right, well that paints a different picture. So you've got a farm there, there's production going on there which we'll go on into in a moment. Is there, what do you mean there's a canal there? Is there animals there as well? What's going on?
1: Yeah, so um, there's guided tours around the plantation. So that's to see all the different fruit and what we grow. And then there's um, a boat cruise that goes through the bottom end of the property. There's a water course. And so that's a, a bit more about nature and we talk to customers about our water source and what it means for the farm and production and then there's an animal area with emus and kangaroos and calves and chickens and all the farmyard stuff wow. and then, yeah and then we do a fruit tasting so people try all the different fruit it's
0: pretty amazing and that's, it? that's so, what it's all about let's um, talk about bob for a little while because the owner Let's talk about yeah. yeah you tell me a little bit about the family history cuz it's this is a this is actually a really good Australian story this this uh, company
1: Yeah yeah so um, Bob Brinsmead was the founder of Tropical Fruit World. Um, he still lives on site so I, we see him all the time he's in ISO, so to speak. Now, well, so oh, I saw him talking. the other
0: day. I saw him the other day and Shona. Was like, "What are you doing out, Bob?" And he had like, yeah. he had, he had, he was so gorgeous. He had the yeah. checkered shorts on and the braces. He'd actually dressed yeah. himself yeah. up to come down to get yeah. a few a couple of avocados.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's, the, he's the classic um, old farmer. You can't, you can't keep him indoors. He said to me, "I'm in the, I'm in the the risk category, mate. You might as well take me down the back and shoot me if I get it."
0: A bit like a, like, like a horse or a cow, yes.
1: Yeah. But um, so he's, he's still out and about, and, and I guess um, his passion for growing all these different fruits and sharing them with the rest of the world is what keeps everyone inspired here. You know, you still see him every day, he's still planting things, he's still growing seedlings and... He's just a, a bit of a force of nature. How did that happen then, for him, Amon? Did
0: he go? Did he go to Asia or travel or what? Tell me how he became tropical yeah, so, fruit.
1: Yeah, so I've heard him speak on a few different interviews about this, and he there was a research station here, and so his family was, were growing bananas in between. And um, tropical fruit world used to be an agricultural research plot for the CSIRO, I think it was, um, oh. or Department of Agriculture in combination and so there used to be field days here where local farmers or it might have been sugarcane farmers or banana farmers or tomatoes or whatever would come and learn about what were the new crops of uh the future in australia and in the 1970s and, or earlier the 60s that was avocados lychees, Cavendish bananas you know all the things that we have every day um so bob discovered all of those when he would come here as a young man and um, when the research station was moved down to Wallingborough at Ulster he and his wife uh, bought the property and it sort of become run down and so you can imagine his enthusiasm for growing on the, the collection and he was doing that as a farm for his family and then um, it all kicked off with, you know, garden clubs and interested people coming and seeing the place and then it um, grew into a tourist park where there was a road put in through the plantation to introduce people to all these things and that was really early on so it opened in 1983 so
0: he, he, must, have had, he must have had he must have had incredible insight though like because that's quite an array there that's a real like CSIRO scientific yeah but he's got a tourism people
1: Yeah, he he had been to uh, America during the, I think, late 60s, 70s, and he'd been to Disneyland, so quite quite literally that was some of the motivation to see what could be put onto a small plot of land Mm -hmm. and and entertain people. And so I think he realised that um, people were always interested in visiting a farm, but then when you have, you know, value-added product and entertainment introduced, Agri tourism has been happening for the best part of a century in other parts of the world. And so it's pretty new to to um, Tweed and Gold Coast region. So um, he just took inspiration from that and, and did it here.
0: It's really interesting, isn't it? Because for elders like Bob to look back at the moment and see, because we're going through this COVID, you know, let's call it the pandemic, that's the word, <laughs> the pandemic. Uh, and you've been really immersed in that in the last couple of weeks because of staffing and changing your business model. Yeah. Someone like Bob must be looking at that and going, ah, these guys are all just turning back time. They're all just becoming yeah. more yeah. O- organic, not organic as in certified, organic to the yeah. land and, and just, yeah. um, what, what's the other word I'm looking for? Like, you know, going back to basics, you know. So elders oh, must,
1: absolutely. Yeah. They must
0: be looking at it in quite a... Um,
1: yeah, well, even, reflective way. Yeah, two, so two weeks into the pandemic announcement, um, you know, flights got cancelled from China, and so the, it became very real for people quickly in this area. Yeah, particularly guys and, like
0: you, when you're leading that that international tourism.
1: Um, oh, absolutely. System. Yeah, it was a yeah. um, it was sort of a day by day operation there for a few weeks, I must admit. Yeah. And but the, you know the the positivity of someone like Bobby came and saw me. and He said, you know. When you look at the tourism numbers, the outbound um, customers from Australia to the rest of the world, if you count those, and then they sort of cancel each other out. Wow. If we just shut the borders, you might find you shift to um, a big domestic trade So mode. he was basically so, saying yeah.
0: the numbers that are flying out can just yeah. stay at home and come to, yeah. to the fruit world. Oh, yeah. how's yeah. that? That's pretty much, you <laughs> know what, that's really bizarre. We're gonna to touch on tourism yeah. now, because on, that's exactly what Tourism Australia are there to say. And you've got Bob yeah. walking around the farm saying it. it. It's not yeah. rocket science, is it, my friend? No, no, no. no. Okay,
1: it's in so, service industry. It's fairly, fairly simple operation.
0: Well, it is, but you and I... <laughs> it's a really good um, segue now because you and I have been involved in... Um, as you know, we're old friends in the sense that you know that I don't really do politics very well, but I do <laughs> this very well. Um, and you are someone that is really... Um, You're diplomatic in a lot of ways, and you sat on a board uh, that I was a part of. I was one of the um, contractors of that board, and you were the chair at the time. And you always had this really level-headed way to deal with it, but I felt as though you had so much experience in tourism from domestic to international and dealing with all these acronyms, you know, TA, DNSW, DGC, all the LTO, RTO, for people yep. who haven't been in tourism, it's quite mind-blowing and baffling, but you seem to be able to cover both sides of that brain. So can you talk yep. to me a little bit about how you see domestic tourism in Australia and the yep. brand of Australia, really, to itself and to the world? It's pretty big questions, but I know you can answer them.
1: Okay. Yeah, so I think um, domestic tourism in Australia, there's no doubt there is a shift in um the, what what it is that people want to do. And there's some there's some uh, simple or basic principles which are put, people need food, they need entertainment, and they need services provided through each and every day. So there's opportunity in, inside that, no matter what the generation is or what their interests and likes are. So there's some constants, but even when you look at uh, the Tweed and locally, the success of some local brands like Husk and Farm and Co. Um, relatively new to tourism, have filled, filled a, a need for young families who are interested in, in those sorts of offerings, and so they've become successful quickly. So domestic tourism always will have ebb and flow in trends and what it is that people are after, but I think um, some basic principles of good service, uh, entertaining offering, and some authenticity uh,
0: Really important, money, really, important, wherever you are. really important word, authenticity.
1: authenticity. Yes, certainly. Providence, authenticity, particularly in agritourism and food tourism and nature tourism.
0: Well, it's actually really interesting because what you just said then is some really let, trendsetters, let's say. So distilleries and, you know, um, farm gates and all that are kind of like, they're really happening in Australia now. Um, yeah. And they're getting support by government, which is great because you've got to have that mm-hmm. legislation Legislation so that you can open these farm gates yeah so you but you're someone that because you're not much of a trendsetter because you've been in the industry for so long you kind of just ebb and flow with it you know and you but at the moment i would say um in fact i'm thinking aim you really should be on one of the um, national boards (laughs) to be really frank with you you should be no but there is a lot out there at the moment and i know you don't have a lot of time but maybe you will have time to start contributing to the national conversation on tourism because there's, it's pretty divided at the moment. I'm on a lot of, you probably are too, webinars yep. and things and it's like some are saying that tourism as we know it is dead. I've heard that. And mm-hmm. travel. And others are saying, oh no, it's an opportunity to do ABC. I fall into the, as you would, because you're the eternal optimist yep. like me. Yep. Fr- creative. You fall into the ABC and your team that you've got around you at the moment too is really like energetic, excited, creative and ready to go. I've, I've been up there a couple yeah. of times this week and they're just like, you'd expect some sort of and gloom because they've had four, yeah. you guys have had four weeks of a bit of a slap, a slap. Really? Yeah. 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 So you, your team around there at the moment is super like, inspired, which tells me yeah, there's movement good. at the station and you're about to go into this new direction, so we fall yeah. into this side. Um, so how, what's your advice to people that, you know, like Michael from Mount Morning Tour is another one of our fantastic operators who's on the river, um, beautiful cruisers, he's going to do a virtual tour, so he's become yeah. really inspired and energetic. For people yeah. that are feeling really run down, overwhelmed, tired, financially yep. crippled, what would your advice right now be to them? Say for the next three months.
1: Oh, that's a big, big, I think, I know big call, answer. Kylie. I, know you and I guess it you know, <laughs> depends on personal circumstance. But I, you know, I, I think with any business, you have to look at right now what are the opportunities. What, what are the? Uh, is the backstop's position? Should you? close and hibernate should you try to carry on should you take up government incentives to um, borrow money and and be proactive at at this time also because there are there are those sorts of opportunities that don't arise um, at any other time interest free loans all those sorts of things so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's a sort of an inward look at what are your opportunities what are the risks of those opportunities how do you leverage them and um, you know a simple but business plan oriented decisions because it could quickly um, cause a situation where you might not be able to reopen in the future if you, if you don't get those decisions right.
0: Do you think some of those government incentives, um, if you do have to close right now purely because of safety, um, uh, do you think some of those gov- government incentives for a not-for-profit or would, would help hemorrhage that for three months, do you think they're really solid incentives?
1: Yeah, I, I look at if I use uh, Tropical Fruit World as an example. I mean, we were, um, you know, well, I, I won't lie, we were um, shrinking and shrinking. And then the the JobKeeper payments, for instance, are something that we're eligible for, and will allow us an opportunity to get staff back in the business. Um, obviously, safety protocols have to come into um, consideration, but. We can get them back here in keeping this um, farm or the property ready to reopen if and when um, that happens. And so if that's a period of six months where you can achieve a lot in that time. So we're we're at a stage where for this business, we had to shift ourselves in about three or four days into, okay, how do we get um, our business to people at home who are at home? And that was fruit box deliveries and then the pantry goods that we manufacture on-site, they can be added to the fruit boxes. And so that was a really busy few days to get that set up and then um, in operation. And I I must give it to the the staff team here, they were very, I think in tourism, you have to be adaptable every day. It might rain one day, you don't expect it to. And so there's no, that's one thing about tourism staff is they're not flustered by change, and so we're able True. to do that very yeah. quickly and get yeah and, and get, Actually, get going. Actually, do you know what?
0: Did you see the PM? So, did you see the PM's message on Tourism Australia's webinar last Friday?
1: No, I I'm going to
0: flick it. No, because you're super super productive, not busy. We don't use the word busy, mate. We use the word productive, which works really well in farm environment. Um, you that he? I'm going to flick it too because he used to be yep. the GM of, of the MD of. Um, Tourism Australia so not a lot of people know that about him they say Scotty from marketing which is you know comes from those days because tourism is marketing go figure if you weren't marketing you wouldn't be in tourism um, and PR and all those things but he he was really heartfelt mate he was bride strip bear this was the PM without any titles and he was talking to tourism and he was like you know you guys do it for the love of it you do it for fun yep you have a few perks but I know that you're sitting here from passion and love, yeah. which doesn't equate most of the time to money, thankfully. Yeah. thankfully. Yeah. I say thankfully, because those things are quite separate. But he really yeah. addressed the nation in tourism yeah. from yeah. that perspective, and he said, I know you want to you come back and have fun, and, and, and tourism's people. So he was really sort of touching on the isolation that we're all feeling at the moment. you know. Yeah. And it was just such a heartfelt message from you know, the, the, the former um, MD of Tourism Australia, which is now our Prime Minister,
1: Yeah, well, it's an interest, uh, you know, you you can't help but agree with those um, comments about tourism staff, the industry. Most people who are frontline tourism staff are extroverts and they gain energy from being around other people. And, um, you know, it's been sad almost to communicate through our own um, internal channels, uh, giving people updates of where we're up to. And there's a lot of I, you know, genuine camaraderie and, and they miss seeing each other every day. But, uh, you know, same in any office situation. But I think when you work in a service industry side by side, day to day, it is different to being in an office and, and sharing an office. So, I, you know, I feel for, for the people whose lives are normally in a service industry in the front line, um, whilst obviously they would feel a lot more safe doing, doing things from home, it's... Um, I understand the psychological effect of that for those people.
0: Just on that, you know, you know, my show's not deep, but you'll know I'll go there. How have yeah. you been coping? Because you're a, you're a surfer. You had a couple of big years yourself as a yeah. surf, and yeah. a few few interesting things have happened to you on, yeah. on life changing, death defying um, yeah. incidents for you. Yeah. But you're a water boy, and you go fishing. And so, how have you been coping um, with your wellness, Amon? Because you've got a lot of people. How many staff did you say?
1: Uh, we've got 50 staff at the park. Okay, so you're, so
0: you're at the top. The buck stops with you. How have you hmm. been coping on a personal level? Uh, I think
1: I think we, um, we, we've been looking to actively create a plan quickly when there was new announcements made, and I think that gives staff peace of mind and also individuals who are in management roles a bit of peace of mind also. So you have... Um, a plan you have a something you can work toward it's when you're in in the gray areas that um i think it becomes difficult for everybody involved mm-hmm. so and then you know mondays i've been going for a surf every morning great yeah. Yeah. I, I might i might get cut off this monday kylie we'll see how we go oh, but, oh
0: no you can ride a bike know.
1: mate <laughs> yeah our, our friend tim jack adams would um, Agree. You just have to um, connect with nature on a, on a personal level a few times a week, and it's really grounding and, and good for your mental health.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so, Amon, you started there 20 years ago, and you worked your way. Thank you for that insight into into tourism as well, because mm-hmm. um, I think you and I could talk about that for hours, really, because we, we share mm-hmm. that, that common that common thread. So when you started there and you were doing the boat tours around, um, yeah. and then ha- did you work your way up through production? And how did you get to where you are right now?
1: Uh, yeah, so I, I uh, had been a tour guide and I, I you know, a part-time job while I was studying. And then um, at that time, so this was late 90s, there was a um, an Asian financial crisis and it really affected South Korea. Um, China not so much, Japan and so a lot of the international markets that were coming to this park at that time really fell apart. Mm -hmm. Um, At that time I um, was sort of just finishing studying and I'd worked you know on job sites. My father's a builder so i had done all sorts of different things and the the general manager at the time asked me if I'd like to just work on the farm until things were going again, so I did that. So this is um, kind of a,
0: not, I mean, it's an, it's different because we haven't been, this is unprecedented what we're in now, but you've yeah. been in a few scenarios along the way.
1: Yeah, a- absolutely. So there's been that, and then there was SARS and MERS. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. So we've, we've certainly seen, um, you know, every seven years or so, there seems to be some sort of crisis like this, the GFC. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So, yeah.
1: Um, at, at those times, I, I think what it does what does make you do as a, as a longer-term business is um, every time you reinvestigate your own risk profile. Yeah, so right. we, yeah. we, we li- literally are going into a bit of a planning phase in the next few weeks about mm. what are the parts of this business that do stand alone, so all of our eggs aren't in one basket. And we're redeveloping the skincare range out of avocado oil, and we're uh, looking at our... Um, own production on site, dried fruits and nuts and different things. So all of those become staples and everybody eats every day. It's one of those things that... Paddock um, to
0: pantry is very big at the moment.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so I just make that point that um, I think all businesses are doing that anyway, but it sort of forces your hand to really um, look at yourself hard in those situations. So that's happened multiple times at Tropical Fruit World over the years. And it's, it's led us to be um, going out and marketing to multiple international markets and also to multiple des- uh, domestic trades so that we have a really big split of visitation. And, for you, one, and for you personally, center.
0: you go from like boat a guide to farm hand to yeah. retail, I guess you've done retail, you've done the retail
1: section of the business. Yeah, 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 so I um, look after the manufacturing of the product and, yeah. and retailing. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm lucky in that uh, Bob Brinsmead's daughter, Judy Brinsmead, is my managing director. She um, is a, yeah, a a great businesswoman and a, has been a good mentor. And we, if, if we're not experts in a field, Kylie, we'll go and get advice from those who are, you know. Um, Someone who thinks they know everything is um, <laughs> bound to trip over somewhere along <laughs> the line. So there's my diplomatic
0: uh, friend right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, and so that that certainly, um, you know, I, I find I learn well from um, going through those processes with others and um, mm. seeing how they come to to decisions and so on. And so I've been lucky in that way to be. Um, exposed to a broad range of industry and and even you know down to civil and construction when we're redeveloping things so it's been a great great learning um
0: and i guess you had the um there was there's resources up there and sustainability so the Brimsmead yeah. family give you the resources and then you're able to turn that into a sustainable business from the ground up, you know? like uh, not, yeah, yeah. not everyone has... I guess the word, I, the word that I'm thinking of is abundance. I know you're going yeah. through a tough time and a, a downturn at the moment, but you've still got abundance yeah. in your business?
1: Yeah, certainly, yeah. I mean, you have to be um, reflective and think about why it is we're still here and it is because we are diversified and we have an opportunity to now focus directly on our, our farm production and pantry goods production, and then we have something that's saleable and we can and make sustainable in a, in a smaller team.
0: Well, I don't think locals um, know so much about that because, um, as we were saying, because I went up there and got these amazing chocolates, you know, that <laughs> were filled, but not I was expecting to get the um, honeycomb and the bananas and the yep. berries and strawberries, but then lovely beautiful Shona comes out with this box of uh, I think it's Amanda in your production team had yeah, these yeah. delicate almost gold yeah. leaf chocolates that had papaya <laughs> and everything in them and I was like yeah,
1: yeah. I felt, like I, kind of I felt yeah. like
0: I was at a you know me creative French yeah. chocolatier and I walked yeah, away with yeah. this little box of goodness
1: yeah, yeah well I mean part, part of um again diversifying into manufacturing on site um you know, the, all of that comes with its own hurdles, Kylie. The safety yeah. protocols yeah. and uh, food safety systems, and so on. And so, once you go through the um, effort of making that that uh, facility on site and having skilled staff there, it is, it is exciting because again, you can be a bit creative with the abundance that is on this farm. And so, yeah. we
0: have
1: to, you know, you have to rein that in from time to time too, and get mm-hmm. focused on what it is that we're doing. But. Um, Yeah, it it is, again, it's what um, makes the fascination, I guess, of this farm to visit it.
0: And it's that, like, you've got a restaurant and cafe there that, again, some locals wouldn't necessarily know they can visit that restaurant and cafe because they might think it's a tour, attached to a tour, but it's not. And you have these homemade ice creams there, maybe macadamia and avocado, you can choose your own. Uh, plus a really nice coffee. You've got ink gin there if you want it. You've got Stone and Wood beer. Yeah, yep. uh, you You know, chefs there that create. Uh, we did this death by avocado degustation, which was crazy. And I feel like that part of your business is going to grow and grow and grow because we will. We. As I live on the coast, but it's well, five, yeah. minutes, five minutes away from yeah. our house. We'll drive up there for lunch and dinner. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I think um, uh, you know, if I'm honest, we probably haven't focused our marketing efforts on that um, mm. in the recent years, and. Um, it's just I think we're at a point where we really do need um, some PR and awareness around that just to tell people uh, particularly locals you know as you said you you live 10 minutes away um, right on the coast of Kingscliff and yet So many people come here for their first time and they might have lived there for five years.
0: But you know what, because you understand all facets of the business, including marketing. So this is a good good little point here. So if you look at marketing, right, so if you call it something like we've got great restaurants, names down here, like, you know, Finns, which is seafood, Bombay Cricketers Club, which is Sri Lankan, Pippet, which is, you know, a fantastic restaurant. Um, really boutique style um, chef in the kitchen cooking for you all you can do is whack a name on it this is not my opinion whack a funky name (laughs) on there Uh, that's sort of how you get that other side of the market you know the um, but yours is always organic and and it's you said authentic everything about what you guys do would be very rustic in a way
1: Um, yeah yeah our 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 mission statement as a business is Mm. to inspire people with nature and Beautiful. we tried to, to, to surmise it right down to what was really translatable to the frontline staff. So um, it became super clear to them when they were doing the right thing in the business and what what we're all about. How long ago, um, how
0: long ago did you come up with that
1: one? A long time ago? Uh, no, actually. Only probably t- two years ago now <laughs> yeah, because right. we're at we're at a point where we really wanted to define that. And I, I was um, – we had a really busy summer period. It might have been – yeah, 2018, 19 and um, thinking about the business and we were talking as a management group about um, defining that. And so then we went through that process of a few workshops, Kylie, and got got everyone's um, heads in the room, and um, <laughs> yeah, that was what we came to. You're
0: such a patient man, <laughs> eh, mod girl? Okay, on a personal <laughs> level again, what have yeah. you learnt as a, are you MD or, or GM? Which one are you? GM. Of course you are, you're a general manager. That makes yeah. a lot of sense for you. Um, yeah. So what have you learnt from that role, personally?
1: Oh, I think I've, well, uh, again, big question. Many, okay, oh, firstly, how
0: many? I'll give you time to think. How many years have you been in that role
1: for? Uh, in that role 10 years.
0: Yeah, that's okay. So you've 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 you know it like the back of your hand. What what yeah. what's a couple of things that you've learned from that resilience, you know, what is it that you've taken away from that role?
1: Oh, I think yeah, so key key learnings would be again about that mission statement is that people must have a focus and and understand the plan as a as a greater group. And I think that's just management 101, but um you can so easily lose that and, it, and it, it can be um might be launched at an AGM, for instance and then a month later if you're not reiterating that and following up with yeah. frontline staff day to day then you won't keep that and it's such a critical piece to uh creating a, a product that's then marketable consistency you know all, all of the big brands do it but um so i think uh, over time, I, I've put more and more um, weight on that and understood the importance of it. So to but be con-
0: real- to be consistent is is your
1: number yeah, one. Uh, absolutely, and and to focus on um, what what is key in the business for its success, and you know, where tourism is such a, a people heavy um, industry. You know, there's so many people employed. I, you know, again, really um, making sure staff are clear on their expectations and what it is we need from them. They can often surprise you with skill sets and, and interests that they have that you might not have, have even thought of. So um, staff engagement, I think, also critical cool to all tourism businesses so that you understand what assets you do, you do and don't have.
0: So it's that open-door policy, you know, where you you are a really personable person you can walk into your office and talk to you right. and as we were saying before we went on air this is a great opportunity when you bring back some of your staff on the JobKeeper because you're going to bring them back to work
1: on, yep. the, on the property the
0: so they're yeah. going to upskill in areas you know like you did like with yeah. the, oh, the, the boat tour or
1: cross training. but it might yep. not be a
0: boat tour at the moment because it's not open yeah. per se but they'll be um, maintaining that that the property how good yeah. is that well, like if no that was way. me and I'd yeah. been in an office yeah. even as a PR girl if that's me and you said you can come back Pils, but I'm going to put I would actually get quite excited about that
1: yeah I, I think um, I, I think definitely the team does and when they get to work in multiple parts of this business um, no doubt they become more engaged with it they understand it better and, and they're more motivated to assist others in the other departments too so I, you, there's a balance because obviously you can't train everybody to do everything but um, when you have people who are um, skilled in multiple areas, it certainly helps a small business like like this. And I think um, most of the tourism businesses in the Tweed are like that.
0: You wouldn't be able to pay for a workshop in this, mate. Inspired by nature, you're literally putting them back into nature.
1: Uh, yeah, I know. I you know. would not it's, be able well, to. <laughs> I mean, and, and luckily, we can space them at least 1.5 meters apart, guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly right. There's always social distancing and safety. I saw. I witnessed that when I was up there. It's all to yeah. me. You've got it. You've got it sorted. Okay, now, I didn't give you the heads up on this. I usually give people uh, the heads up on this, but I was like, no, he can do it off the top of his head. Yeah, no, no, Spontaneous, okay. mate. So who and where, two things, inspire yep. you?
1: Oh, well, I, I know, no doubt um, Bob, the founder of Tropical Fruit World, still getting around day-to-day, you know, looking at this business and... Um, Looking at it with fresh eyes, and he's eighty-five, you know. So I, it just makes me think. He, he says things like, um, "If you haven't changed your mind or learned something new in the in the last week, check your pulse. You might be dead." So he's <laughs>
0: he's bloody <laughs> hilarious.
1: Yeah, I know. But so inspiring. So he, he, he's an inspirational guy, and he, his uh, daughter Judy is yes. my managing director. She she also she runs. Quite a few companies and um,
0: outside of Tropical
1: Fruit World. Yeah, so yeah. They, um, a, a construction company, ADCO, and a a marina, Rivergate. So, so she's got a lot
0: going
1: on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and and so she's the inspiration to I think the the whole management team here. Mm-hmm. Very very um, good manager and, and switched on. And then um, I I think a lot of people in the local Tweed community. I, it's really interesting. You said earlier before we were talking about this area and um agritourism nature tourism and so on and it's sort of woken up in the last five years If you, you, you would say before this um I, I certainly get inspired by people who are in part of that industry and operators like who you, you've been working with kylie and um people who are new to the industry but have had great success i mean they're, they're people to to admire and learn from and yeah, but you, know, you know what you do, your
0: name, like anyone that comes into the tweet and um, you're so inviting and kind to people, your name gets thrown to them straight away, whether it's a new tourism body like we have at the moment or the old one you're, or an operator. People know that they yeah. can contact you and come up and have a chat to you because you're really, something I really admire about you, Amon, is you're um, giving with your information and skill set. So you're not, you yeah. know, sometimes people can be evasive and I just don't see growth in that. This is Marketing 101, McDonald's yeah. and KFC are set up next to each other for a reason because competition, competition,
1: absolutely, competition begets competition.
0: So you have that as a as a person. You're very open and friendly, which no evasive with you, which is why I know that I'll know you until I'm 99. Um, (laughs) And where in the world inspires you? I actually know the answer to this. (laughs)
1: Where where does inspire me, Carly?
0: Where I don't know. Uh, Well, I. I, uh, (laughs) <laughs> the ocean inspires um, yeah, you.
1: I know that I do, much. Yeah. <laughs> it, it does. I, I love living near the ocean, and I, you know, I surf and I go fishing in the ocean. So I, I do love that. Um, but I, I think living in this area, you know, you often go on a holiday and then you come back and you realise that. Um, what what an amazing thing you've got World Heritage National Park, the ocean, and then you've got all of this farming and agri-tourism here. We're, we're pretty lucky to live in this region, I think all of us. Mm. So I I, I um, love to go for a, a drive on a Sunday afternoon and remind myself of that. It's great.
0: So Northern New South Wales, my friend, that's where it inspires yep. you. Yeah.
1: Well, I think really, so.
0: really great to talk to you, and um, this has been a really cool podcast because I know that you're in the depths of you know your reinvention, and I know that you. Yep, Definitely gonna do it. You've got a very positive attitude and I um, yep. I think from my little podcast, you'll be like, someone in, someone from Tourism Australia that'll hear this and they'll Blow be like, we need him, we need him. Blow up. They'll have to come through me first. Is that what you just said? <laughs> <laughs> all right buddy, hey, have a great day up there. Um, yeah, happy, happy Good Friday, Blues Fest, all the rest of it. Yeah, and, um, yeah, I'm actually yeah. gonna send you the, this'll help you at work, I'm gonna send you the isolation Blues Fest um, playlist on Spotify.
1: And it's oh, got yes. Lenny
0: Kravitz and Alana Morris. Everyone's on there. Our so
1: offers a... better be ready.
0: They better be ready. Play it up there today. <laughs> Adios, my friend.
1: Thanks, Kylie. Ciao, ciao.
0: Bye.